section seventy four of the united states this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume twelve the united states edited by eva march tappan section seventy four the boston massacre seventeen seventy by nathaniel hawthorne it was now the third of march seventeen seventy the sunset music of the british regiments was heard as usual throughout the town the shrill fife and rattling drum awoke the echoes in king street while the last ray of sunshine was lingering on the cupola of the town house and now all the sentinels were posted one of them marched up and down before the custom-house treading a short path through the snow and longing for the time when he would be dismissed to the warm fireside of the guard-room meanwhile captain preston was perhaps sitting in our great chair before the hearth of the british coffee-house in the course of the evening there were two or three slight commotions which seemed to indicate that trouble was at hand small parties of young men stood at the corners of the streets or walked along the narrow pavements squads of soldiers who were dismissed from duty passed by them shoulder to shoulder with the regular step which they had learned at the drill whenever these encounters took place it appeared to be the object of the young men to treat the soldiers with as much incivility as possible turn out you lobster backs one would say crowd them off the sidewalks another would cry a red-coat has no right in boston streets oh you rebel rascals perhaps the soldiers would reply glaring fiercely at the young men some day or other we'll make our way through boston streets at the point of the bayonet once or twice such disputes as these brought on a scuffle which passed off however without attracting much notice about eight o'clock for some unknown cause an alarm bell rang loudly and hurriedly at the sound many people ran out of their houses supposing it to be an alarm of fire but there were no flames to be seen nor was there any smell of smoke in the clear frosty air so that most of the townsmen went back to their own firesides and sat talking with their wives and children about the calamities of the times others who were younger and less prudent remained in the streets for there seems to have been a presentiment that some strange event was on the eve of taking place later in the evening not far from nine o'clock several young men passed by the town-house and walked down king street the sentinel was still on his post in front of the custom-house pacing to and fro while as he turned a gleam of light from some neighbouring window glittered on the barrel of his musket at no great distance were the barracks and the guard-house where his comrades were probably telling stories of battle and bloodshed down towards the custom-house as i told you came a party of wild young men when they drew near the sentinel he halted on his post and took his musket from his shoulder ready to present the bayonet at their breasts who goes there he cried in the gruff peremptory tones of a soldier's challenge the young men being boston boys felt as if they had a right to walk their own streets without being accountable to a british redcoat even though he challenged them in king george's name they made some rude answer to the sentinel there was a dispute or perhaps a scuffle other soldiers heard the noise and ran hastily from the barracks to assist their comrades 
at the same time many of the townspeople rushed into king street by various avenues and gathered in a crowd round about the custom-house it seemed wonderful how such a multitude had started up all of a sudden the wrongs and insults which the people had been suffering for many months now kindled them into a rage they threw snowballs and lumps of ice at the soldiers as the tumult grew louder it reached the ears of captain preston the officer of the day he immediately ordered eight soldiers of the main guard to take their muskets and follow him they marched across the street forcing their way roughly through the crowd and pricking the townspeople with their bayonets a gentleman it was henry knox afterwards general of the american artillery caught captain preston's arm for heaven's sake sir exclaimed he take heed what you do or there will be bloodshed stand aside answered captain preston haughtily do not interfere sir leave me to manage the affair arriving at the sentinel's post captain preston drew up his men in a semicircle with their faces to the crowd and their rear to the custom-house when the people saw the officer and beheld the threatening attitude with which the soldiers confronted them their rage became almost uncontrollable fire you lobster-backs bellowed some you dare not fire you cowardly redcoats cried others rush upon them shouted many voices drive the rascals to their barracks down with them down with them let them fire if they dare amid the uproar the soldiers stood gazing at the people with the fierceness of men whose trade was to shed blood oh what a crisis had now arrived up to this very moment the angry feelings between england and america might have been pacified england had but to stretch out the hand of reconciliation and acknowledge that she had hitherto mistaken her rights but would do so no more then the ancient bonds of brotherhood would again have been knit together as firmly as in old times the habit of loyalty which had grown as strong as instinct was not utterly overcome the perils shared the victories won in the old french war when the soldiers of the colonies fought side by side with their comrades from beyond the sea were not forgotten yet england was still that beloved country which the colonists called their home king george though he had frowned upon america was still reverenced as a father but should the king's soldiers shed one drop of american blood then it was a quarrel to the death never never would america rest satisfied until she had torn down the royal authority and trampled it in the dust fire if you dare villains hoarsely shouted the people while the muzzles of the muskets were turned upon them you dare not fire they appeared ready to rush upon the levelled bayonets captain preston waved his sword and uttered a command which could not be distinctly heard amid the uproar of shouts that issued from a hundred throats but his soldiers deemed that he had spoken the fatal mandate fire the flash of their muskets lighted up the streets and the report rang loudly between the edifices it was said too that the figure of a man with a cloth hanging down over his face was seen to step into the balcony of the custom-house and discharge a musket at the crowd a gush of smoke had overspread the scene it rose heavily as if it were loath to reveal the dreadful spectacle beneath it eleven of the sons of new england lay stretched upon the street some sorely wounded were struggling to rise again others stirred not nor groaned for they were past all pain blood was streaming upon the snow and that purple stain in the midst of king street though it melted away in the next day's sun was never forgotten nor forgiven by the people 
to this account hawthorne adds the following the town drums beat to arms the alarm bells rang and an immense multitude rushed into king street many of them had weapons in their hands the british prepared to defend themselves a whole regiment was drawn up in the street expecting an attack for the townsmen appeared ready to throw themselves upon the bayonets governor hutchinson hurried to the spot and besought the people to have patience promising that strict justice should be done a day or two afterward the british troops were withdrawn from town and stationed at castle wigan captain preston and the eight soldiers were tried for murder but none of them were found guilty the judges told the jury that the insults and violence which had been offered to the soldiers justified them in firing at the mob End of section seventy four